Welcome back to Space Castle. It is your clubhouse and hours for all things nerdy. My name is DT. My name is Alex. And I'm Seth. Guys, we haven't talked about D&D in a while. And you guys know that I'm constantly thinking about D&D and missing it desperately. And Alex was telling me this story about some things he witnessed at a convention where people were designing and like talking about custom D&D parties with fictional characters. And that got me thinking, like, what would my ideal four-player squad of D&D be if I could pick anything from games, movies, books, and so forth, and TV too? Who would I pick? I want to talk about that because I've got some thoughts. I've got some thoughts on a four-player team a wizard, a tank, a healer, and a bard. I want to tell you guys about it. I want you guys to tell me your answers too, and then we can yell and fight about it and tell each other why we're wrong, Alex. <laughs> I don't think I'm going to be wrong here, but almost entirely all of my picks will be from books and uh, genre fiction, so prepare thyself for that. That doesn't sound like you. Are you sure? Yeah, I know, right? Originally, what, what had happened was I was at Phoenix... <laughs> Phoenix Comic Con, and it was a bunch of authors on this panel, and I think they had initially planned for it to be kind of this like D and D party bingo card style thing, where everybody kind of chooses somebody that's on a scratch off list, and then that builds your party or something. And then they just devolved, and it became choose a D and D party from whoever you want in fiction. And my my favorite response was from Scott Lynch, who created an entire D and D party from characters that Angela Lansbury had played in fiction. <laughs> Awesome. Which absolutely choice. Absolutely choice. Yeah, it was amazing, hilarious, got the whole crowd involved. It was fantastic. But all of these authors made incredible teams. I think it'll be so much fun to go through that and just as a fun D&D brainstorming exercise because um, there's a lot of legs to this topic. I think it will end up revealing quite a lot about us as D&D like players and DMs and stuff. Oh, sure. I'm also interested to see what people who are listening, what party they would put together. So drop that in the social media afterwards but let's let's jump into this i have a quick question though yeah this all angela lansbury DD party he included jessica fletcher from murder she wrote right i think so yes. absolutely he to. did okay yes, that's I like the quintessential <laughs> yeah yeah okay good yep i can sleep tonight perfect <laughs> who wants to kick us off who's got their party right i can go first since i i pitched the topic i can kind of set the tone if you guys want yeah yeah set the tone so i know what i need to break all right, and that way you guys can't fucking steal any of my answers and look like heroes in this podcast. <laughs> well, just wait. <laughs> All right. All right, so like I said, I broke it down into wizard, tank, healer, and bard. It was not required of us to build a balanced party. We can do whatever the fuck we wanted to, but I just wanted to kind of mix it up and do like a variation just for the sake of doing so. So wizard. Obviously, the wizard is your most cut and dry choice, I think, because there's not a whole lot of things to choose from that aren't magic users. So I feel like if you have a wizard in your party, it's got to be somebody who has innate magical abilities. Otherwise, I don't know. I guess you can like draw from personalities. Like I don't know. Anyway, my pick for wizard and my D&D squad is Vivi from Final Fantasy IX. Wow. I was not expecting that. That was not a pick I was anticipating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, he's, uh, he's a master of black magic, offensive like damage dealing magic. He does both elemental damages and negative status effects, which is perfect for Dungeons & Dragons. And he's also got an ability where he can imbue other characters' weapons with elemental damage, too. So he's like an offensive character, but also like a, a roundabout support. Yeah, a support character at the same time. But he's also a sweetheart. He could be like the, the functioning moral compass of the team, too, because of his personality and his sort of calm and reserved demeanor. So Vivi from Final Fantasy IX would be my wizard, hands down. One of the best video game characters ever written, too. Just a fucking great character and a phenomenal game. Any objections so far? <laughs> no, that sounds like a great pick. Yeah. But I especially like the support aspect too for a wizard. That's cool because most people think wizard, they think like, ah, oh, blow him up with the fireball. All right, moving on. <laughs> I'm going to get a little weird with this next one. So my next one is my tank, you know, my full on like damage absorbing, damage dealing character. And that is going to be B.A. Baracus from A-Team played by Mr. T. <laughs> wow. Oh, man. Yeah. So B.A. was a Vietnam vet, sergeant first class, highly decorated. He is a master of hand-to-hand combat. So like boxing and like his signature move is pretty much just like grappling somebody and picking them up over his head and throwing them. Just an absolute beast of a fucking man. (laughs) But he's got a bad fucking attitude. He's a badass motherfucker. He drives a 1983 GMC van that's painted red and black and it's got a spoiler on top. Nobody else is allowed to drive it. But he's also a highly skilled mechanic and builder. So he could also outfit the rest of the squad with all the gear they need to. Ah. 
And he's got a fucking bitchin' like Mohawk, too. I mean, come on. Mr. Fucking T. It's B.A. Baracus. That's my tank. I guarantee there is a B.A. Baracus mini somewhere on somebody's D&D table. <laughs> totally. I might make one in Hero Forge or something. You should. That would be awesome. I feel like you've made a, a character or two that are not that far off from a like <laughs> orc B.A. Baracus. Kind of. So, yeah. I'm infamous for playing this character called Daruk, who is a half-orc barbarian. The big difference between B.A. Baracus and Daruk, though, is that B.A. Baracus was famous for being a teetotaler. He was stone sober, never drank. Uh, when the other like, members of the A-team were like sipping out of their fucking flasks and like partying after a mission or whatever, like, he would drink milk. Like Milk was like his signature drink. So he'd be that big fucking burly tank that nobody could touch, but he could fuck everybody else up. But you could take him to a tavern and you wouldn't have to worry about him. He would just be looking out for everybody else and keeping everybody else in line. You're DD. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Your BA is your DD. Yeah. <laughs> in D&D. <laughs> yeah. Uh, healer. It's fucking Steven Universe. Let's go. He's got fucking healing spit powers. Dude, Steven Universe was going to be one of my picks. Nice. So that's absolutely a choice. It's a really good one. Yeah, he inherited his healing powers from his mother. Uh, he's got super strength and agility, so he's not a fully passive character. And he can also conjure shields to help defend the rest of the party while he's healing them up and shit. And he would also act like Vivi does and be sort of like the moral compass and like the emotional heart of the team. He'd always be there to like support them emotionally and like pick everybody up and like, I don't know, just be a fun character to be around too. Yeah, I'd want to hang out with Steven Universe. Fucking A, dude. Yeah. Yeah. He could also pass for a bard, too, because he plays ukulele and he sings. And his dad's a musician. So, but I do have a bard as my last pick on my squad. Are you guys ready? Yes. Oh, yeah. I'm going to be spoiler free here. My bard pick would be Eddie Munson from season four of Stranger Things. Whoa, nice. Which is a wild card <laughs> pick because the season just came out and I just finished it. But Eddie has been a standout favorite since he started out in this season and he's been fucking great he's an awesome character yeah one of my favorites of the series too but i mean he's a natural choice for a bard because he fucking shreds on guitar he's got that upbeat hilarious attitude he keep everybody's spirits in line with like his jokes and whatnot and he's braver than he thinks he is underneath the surface but in the show he's also a fucking DD dungeon master and he runs a DD club so he already knows the ins and outs of the fucking game and he would be like full on support and like guidance for the rest of the squad too. Yeah, understanding the lay of the land before everybody else does. Sure. Yeah, I could. I, I'll give you that. On top of being able to fucking shred some metal with his guitar. So yeah, my wizard is Vivi from Final Fantasy Nine. My tank is B. Baracus from the A Team. My healer is Steven Universe from Steven Universe. And my bard would be Eddie Munson from Stranger Things Season 4. I also love the mashup of all the timelines that you have in there because they're com from completely different eras and or fictions. Yeah, you got BA from the 80s. Actually, Eddie's kind of from the 80s too, technically. So they would have things to talk about. We could talk about Reaganomics. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> those are great. I like those picks a lot. That's a hell of a squad. Yeah, it'd be a pretty good party, I think. I think so. Seth, you go next, if you're ready. I did not try to fill out a party with balanced members like DT did. I, as a DM, prefer interesting parties. How dare you? Not necessarily good parties. <laughs> <laughs> so that's where mine kind of comes from is like, this is not necessarily the party that's going to like win this campaign, but they're definitely going to be enjoyable while they try. Seth prefers the Daniel Radcliffe meme where he's... <laughs> Harry Potter on one side, Prim and Proper on the other side. It's him and Guns Akimbo in a bathrobe with two <laughs> pistols in the air. <laughs> yeah. Are all four of your picks Rutger Hauer in Hobo with a Shotgun? Are they all murder hobos, literally? <laughs> no, I fucking wish. That would that would have been hilarious. <laughs> My party is fully capable of being extremely strong. Just, you know, unconventionally. They might flounder a bit, that kind of thing. And one of these, I think I might be pulling the rug out of Alex's pull, so I'm just going to say right now, my first pick is Quoth. Ah, wind out of my sails. I surprisingly did not put him on my list, but but he is an honorable mention for me, so. That is actually surprising. That would be the main character from The Name of the Wind, yes? Name of the Wind, yes. He's, uh, I guess I would put him as like a bard slash magician. He's an arcanist, yeah. That's the thing about my party. They're all like heavily multi-classed. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be really hard to nail down like a class that Quoth would fit into entirely. You know what I mean? I'm all about multi-classing, man. Fucking A. All my, all my characters have been multi-class at some point, so. 
Yeah, that's definitely my whole thing is I, I have a really hard time pinning down a class for any of these people. The root of Quoth is that he's a bard. Like that's his soul. That's where he started. Yeah, for sure. And then it was magic as his like uh, the impetus for him wanting to become a wizard of sorts. And, and then... bards do magic, right? But Kvoth also does alchemy and he does a bunch of other stuff too. He knows nothing about alchemy, actually. <laughs> In universe, no. But as an idea of alchemy, yeah, he does alchemy. He's also an artificer. Like he knows how to build stuff. He's an artificer. Yep. So he's got a lot going for him. I do think... Kvoth would be a bit of a difficult, it'd be a bit of a pill in a D&D party, I think. Absolutely. <laughs> but that's okay. <laughs> well, that's, that's what's fun about it, though. Like, it's it's cool. It's a good pick because of that, because he is a jack of all trades, and a lot of people give Rothfuss a hard time because he's sort of the, what is it called, Gary Sue? He's just a character that does everything right so successful but he constantly fails throughout the book so i i have a bone to pick with that argument i have a bone to pick about that as well because everybody complains about a lot of that kind of stuff and they always seem to fail to realize that the books name of the wind wise man's fear and doors of stone are quoth telling his life story so obviously it's going to be a little bit favorable Mm -hmm. for him and because he's a bard he's a storyteller yeah exactly people always tend to fail to realize that What's the term for stories and movies that are very, very favorable to the people who like allowed them to be told or told them themselves? There was like that uh, that straight out of Compton movie about NWA, where they're all like scholarly, wonderful, kind, gentle, loving people who never had anything bad to say about anybody, and like people who are actually in the group who are actually cut out of the movie are like, yeah, that's not how that shit fucking happened. <laughs> <laughs> Unreliable narrator. No, there's a specific term. It's it's akin to like self-aggrandizing where you're you're basically like rewriting your own story to make yourself like look really, really smart and awesome and wonderful and like a paragon of humanity. I'll have to look it up, see if I can find that term later. Yeah, if you figure it out, let me know, because that's something I, I want to do uh, like for myself. <laughs> Are we not doing that every week on Space Castle? <laughs> <laughs> I don't, honestly, no. Go back and listen to some of the episodes. I put my foot in my mouth quite a lot. Yeah. <laughs> All right, what's your second pick, man? My second pick is the one and only Avatar Aang. There you go. Ah, nice. I knew we were going to have a bender somewhere in here, yeah. Uh, of course. <laughs> and I, I went back and forth between a, a handful of them. Kiyoshi, I thought would be really fun because she's like straight up a murder hobo. <laughs> <laughs> Aang would be great because my group kind of needs a bit of a moral center. Plus Aang has a bit of that healing water bender in him. So that would be super useful. He's the most obvious D&D party pick of my whole group, I think. Sure. And I mean, you can kind of play a bender as a monk in D&D anyway, so it fits. I love it. I am, currently. I'm In the campaign, I've been playing for like f- fucking five years now? Jesus. I'm playing a Tabaxi monk nice. who is fully, fully embracing the four elements. Like, I'm trying really desperately to be the avatar. I'm getting pretty close. Fucking I do. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's fucking great. <laughs> Although, to be honest, this very next session might be the last one. We're in a precarious point in this, oh, in no. this particular Shit. moment. TPK. <laughs> is Alex Dudley your GM? <laughs> <laughs> no, Josh is doing an absolutely spectacular job, and I can't really praise him enough for the work that he's done. But... We have almost died maybe a dozen times over the last five years. <laughs> like, it has gotten extremely That's close awesome. very often. <laughs> right on. Two or three sessions ago, we were at a point where we have a party of four. One of them had zero intelligence, so he was basically a zombie at the time. He got attacked by an intellect devourer, and we were just meandering his basically lifeless corpse with us just in case we found a cure. I had a curse on me that I had 24 hours in-game to get this item back to a person or I was going to die. We had a absolute super murder hobo, two strings. There's a, a gnome who used to be a violin. Uh, don't worry about it. He used to be a violin? <laughs> yeah. Was he a gnome who was turned into a violin that he was... He's a violin that was turned into a gnome like six months ago. Like reverse Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was thinking. That's dope. It's super great. I want to play a berserker who used to be a drum. <laughs> Dude, that would be great. Two Strings was given life, and being a, a gnome bard kind of discovered death in song very early on, like within the same day he was given life, and just decided that that was his thing now. So he just <laughs> wants to kill 
everything. He's a pure agent of chaos. While listening to the Smiths. <laughs> it's great. That's very, like, having watched this last night with my daughter, Toy Story 4 informed, like, Forky. Oh, yeah. Created from inanimate objects and given life by nature of a signature. I love that weird shit. They had so much fun. That's fantastic. Okay, so you've got Avatar Aang. You've got Quoth. Then I've got Ahsoka Tano. Oh, mm, yes. Nice. Not surprised by that pick. Not surprising, but man, would that be fun. Could you imagine Quoth and Ahsoka, like, arguing? <laughs> into it? Yeah. I, like, <laughs> let's go. I'm so here for this. So that seems like an obvious pick. I mean, come on. She's got space magic, lightsabers. Seth's totally a approaching this from the dm perspective where it's like create as much conflict as possible <laughs> it makes for fun dynamics at a table though i love it yeah no for sure i just want an interesting game you know i don't really have any other way to approach it i tried i tried really hard i was like okay this is good let me see if i can do this in a not dm way and the group was shit it was like it had <laughs> like jason Bourne, james bond it had spock it's like yeah this is a lot of cool people but like not a good fucking party so I got to do it in my DM mind. Would she be Battlemaster? Like a fighter? I'm trying to... I love Ahsoka as sort of like an anti-paladin type of thing. Yeah, I think she'd, I think she'd be an anti-paladin. Or, or potentially, I mean, depending on how deep you get into like her novel and stuff, very potentially a rogue. Kind of. Dual wielding too. So there you go. Yeah. I'll turn this into an Ahsoka podcast like literally as soon as I possibly can. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you got one more pick, sir. One more pick is one I'm positive nobody here knows, even though I've been trying to get Alex to read this book for years, and that is Belisarius from The Quantum Magician. No idea. Nope. No surprises <laughs> there. Let me it's give you- It's still on the TBR. I'm sorry. <laughs> I know. It's okay, Alex. You've got children. <laughs> Are you in between books right now, Alex? No. I'm in the middle of In the Shadow of Lightning by Brian McClellan. Okay. As soon as you finish that, you're going to want to pick this up, because here's all I have to say about it to get you in this. This is a- Hard science fiction novel that feels a lot like Red Rising without the cast system and is a heist. What? Yep, I'm there. <laughs> <laughs> you just described a book specifically made for Alex. <laughs> yeah, basically. Yeah, like, That's my mind is <laughs> Man, in like twenty sixteen or whatever, that's basically the same pitch I gave you then. Don't know why I haven't read it yet. Anyways, so Belisarius is a Homo Quantus which is a side evolution of humanity. This takes place deep in the future, obviously. Eugenics related? Not eugenics related, but okay. I would say closer along like Dune lines where they have like evolutions of humanity for specific purposes. Actually, this is very along Dune where he's basically a quantum computer as a brain. Like a Mentat? Like a Mentat. Homo Quantus does a lot of space travel right? A lot of navigating of wormholes and things like that, much like Dune's navigators. No spice involved. No uh, glowy light coming out of their asses either? Yeah. Okay. No shit. <laughs> no, I am no longer interested. <laughs> They're hard to distinguish from regular Homo sapiens humans. They don't look any different, but their behavior is very different for obvious reasons. But because they, like their brains, there's no neurotransmitters. That's all quantum mechanics inside their brain matter. They think extremely differently and so they come up to very, very different solutions very quickly that like is why they're used for space travel uh, for obvious reasons. But because of that, this book kind of uses that to construct a heist, which is fucking wonderful. And the main character, Belisarius, is kind of broken where like his brain no works so good no more. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just great. I think he would make an absolutely choice D&D party member because he he's very much the like, you've got a party that's like, yeah, we can break down the door we can pick the lock maybe we can find a key on the guard we just passed and he's like why don't we just go through the window like what oh <laughs> yeah okay yeah let's do that like that kind of of thinking i think it'd be fucking great totally lateral like very out of the box but like super quick and problem solving oriented thinking i think it'd be great i think it'd be a really good addition and also like it's a super nice guy so like i think it'd fit in quite well with like ang and ahsoka and you know help keep both kind of you know in his place a little bit <laughs> what's cool about this group too is Quoth wouldn't be the smartest person in the room which i think would be really fun break it down for us one more time give us your full list yeah so we've got Quoth, a multi-class bunch of shit we've got ahsoka also multi-class bunch of shit 
We've got Avatar Aang, super multi-class, a bunch of shit. And then we've got Belisarius, who's basically just the smart guy. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, dude. Right on. Uh, that's great. That would be a, a party that I would very much want to DM for. Should I start with a wizard also? I think I should start with a wizard. Here we go. Yeah, yeah. This is probably the first one that jumped to my mind after consideration. It's Harry Dresden from the Dresden Files. <laughs> okay. All of my picks are from books. Surprise, surprise. But Harry Dresden is one who's actually made it to television. This is like an 18 book series. Actually, a novella is coming out today, I think. Oh. Or when this podcast is being released, I think. Anyway, excellent wizard. He's just so good. He is the evocation wizard. He does fireballs and blasts them ups and, and whatnot. He's got fire and ice magic and stuff. And I don't want to spoil too much, but Dresden basically can't lose. He's fallible and, and completely mortal and gets his ass kicked all the time, but always figures out a way through sheer grit or friends or just complete determination to figure out how to solve this puzzle, figure out what's going on and um, save the day, you know, save the people that he loves or, and, or beat the shit out of some bad guys. And he's seen every monster in the book. I have pictures of a meme. that's like a uh, wizard, literally too angry to die. That's, <laughs> I feel like that's, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's Dresden really. I mean, the, the books progress in such a way that it, like his, his priorities shift and his, um, his reasons for doing things kind of change gears from the beginning where he's just a wizard for hire personal investigator trying to help the local PD to save the world sort of stuff. Ooh. It's well worth a read if you haven't read Dresden, but well-loved series and what a wizard though. He'd be an excellent pick for a party because he's just like fully sort of chaotic good and is willing to literally put his life on the line at all times in order to succeed at whatever he's doing. All right. And is okay with making the tough choices. Do I need to go into a contract with this fey being in order to save the people that I love? Yep. Okay, cool. I'm going to do it. So that's my wizard, Harry Dresden. That seems like a pretty good pick, to be honest. Yeah, my next one is a little bit uh, newer from Fonda Lee's series, the Greenbone Saga, Jade City. There's a character called Emery Anden, who is a prodigy jade wielder. So he's essentially a magic user in that respect, but he's also a fighter. Because Jade City is like if you mixed Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon with the Godfather. Uh, yes, please. <laughs> that's, a, that's actually a really good one, man. That's that's pretty close. It's it's incredible. Like the story that in the in the city of John Loon that Fonda Lee has put together is is absolutely like mesmerizing. It's secondary world, but like so cool. Anyway, Andin or Emery Andin is like an adopted member of the Cole family. And he starts off as this sort of prodigy warrior and essentially multi-classes because he doesn't fit into the, the general mold that they wanted. And he becomes sort of a healer by the end. And I don't want to spoil anything else. Yeah, don't spoil. I haven't finished the Jade Saga yet. So Yeah. So he fully multi-classes, but he, I think he qualifies as, as sort of warrior or some sort of spellcaster because he has those magical abilities and... Uh, later on healer. So uh, definitely an excellent member to have on your party. Also, he has the biggest mortal conscience of anybody in that book hmm. or that the series of books. That seems unusual. <laughs> no, but I think it would be so much more interesting for th this party because you kind of have chaotic good in Harry Dresden. You have neutral good or more like lawful good in Emory Andon, but he does have moments where he breaks. So, you know, when he, when it really push comes to shove, he's still reliable. So those are my first two. And then for Rogue, I have Jean Tannen from The Lies of Locke Lamora. Jean. Oh, yeah. man. Why didn't I think of Jean? Damn it. Jean is one of my favorite characters in fantasy fiction, period. Hard stop. Yeah. What a pick. He is a member of the Gentleman Bastards. It's not Locke Lamora, and Locke would arguably be a better like thief and rogue um, and sort of all-around traditional rogue. But Jean is a badass, huge fighter, and is wicked smart. Wicked smart. My boy is wicked smart. So he can fit in, and he's been shown to fit in to multiple scenarios as sort of the, I don't know, the the poncho kind of character. Like he, <laughs> he, he, Dude, that's such a disservice, man. Jean is so good. No, but it is. But that's, what, that's what's so good about it is that because he's so large and he's so imposing, he comes off as this sort of rube side character. And he's not. He's he's actually 
one of the smartest characters in those books. Yeah. He's well read. He knows how to balance a checkbook and speaks multiple languages. And also he can kill you with hatchets. <laughs> it, honestly, okay. I'm going to continue to derail this conversation, apparently. Bring it on. Let's go. Locke is charming as fuck. If Jean had more charm in him, those would be a series of books about Jean. Yeah, no, <laughs> like, absolutely. Oh, so this is like a big trouble in a little China situation where Jack Burton, played by Kurt Russell, is not actually the main character, but he thinks he is, and the audience <laughs> is fooled into thinking he is, but he's actually like the badass sidekick. Okay. I gotcha. They're definitely both main characters, right? Like, it, it is about Locke and Jean together, for sure. Locke is just more charming, so it gets a little bit more of the focus, and therefore... That's Jack Burton, yeah. Yeah, you get a little bit of, like, a, a hero sidekick thing, but, like, only barely. Because Jean's so good at everything, basically. <laughs> He's just more mentally rational, so he defers to Locke's expertise when it's necessary. You get a character that is just deserving of being a protagonist, and he and he is in his own right many times. Like there are segments of the books where it's it focuses on him, but yeah, for the purposes of D anD D, he's an excellent fighter, top notch. You you probably can't find anybody better in this world that's not like a full on magic user. But then he's also a rogue. The guy can pick lock, scale walls, you know, put on a face and blend in where he needs to. He's a master thief, dude. That is uh, that's an absolutely a tier triple plus pick, man. Thanks. Yeah, I was really, I was really excited about that one. Here comes another A tier pick uh, with a class that we haven't seen yet from Gideon the Ninth, Harrow Harkonnesesmus. Okay, okay, Alex, you get it. You win. It's fine. <laughs> Harrow Hark is a necromancer in space that becomes a lictor. So basically, she's uh, a genius and a prodigy at necromancy and can't die essentially because she's sort of dead already. I know that feeling. I'm a millennial. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Too real, man. Too real. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you can make an argument for Gideon also, but I would prefer to see Harrow in a D&D party because that character would be so much fun to interact with. She's a spitfire and is just wildly intelligent, knows what she's doing at all times, and is like probably chaotic neutral. Would you guys want to play a D&D campaign? I'll DM where we actually- no. Well, I hate D&D. Not a fan. Where we do actually literally try to play these characters. Like, yes. <laughs> that sounds awesome. Can I, can I please play Steven Universe as a healer in a D&D campaign? Yes. You know, maybe change a name or something, but maybe not. And you just like actually try to play that character. Robert Galaxy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Stefan Nebula. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I would absolutely play any of these characters, like for sure. That might be really fun to try. We maybe we, maybe we'll give that a shot. I'll I'll add it to my list. <laughs> I've got Dresden as my wizard, Emery Andon from Jade City as my sort of warrior wizard healer, and then Jean, and then Harrowhark Nonagesimus from Gideon the Ninth. That's a good list, man. Fucking a. That is a pretty good list. None of them are a B.A. Barakas from A-Team, but you know what? I'm <laughs> proud of you still. <laughs> B.A. is cool and all, but Jean would kick his ass. <laughs> Jean would, kill, would make a fool out of him. I had some Red Rising characters as honorable mentions, like Ragnar as a barbarian would be awesome, or Severo. Severo is one of my favorite rogues in fiction, period. I have played a D&D campaign with Severo, I feel like, for sure. <laughs> yeah, just chaotic everything. Everything would, like... Yeah, fully reliable, ride or die. Like, that's the thing I think with, not with Harrowhark necessarily, but the rest of these characters are fully ride or die. Yeah. Well, Andin is also sort of, um, lets his conscience get, kind of get in the way of that occasionally, but that's what's so fun about it. This The dynamics of this party would be insane because of the way that they'd interact is is nuts. It'd just be fun as hell. Harry would be trying to kill Harrowhark half the time. Like, it would be... <laughs> <laughs> I love some inter-party fucking drama, dude. Strife. Absolutely. Well, he just inherently doesn't trust necromancers as a wizard, which makes sense. <laughs> yeah, I can't blame him for that. Yeah. DT, do you have any honorable mentions? Uh, mine's incredibly fucking obvious, and it would be a tank, and it'd be Wolverine from Marvel Comics. Ah, nice. Dude, I glossed over Wolverine too OP. Yeah, he's, he's obviously OP. Like, you have a indestructible tank. The healer would never have to worry about him, just be able to focus on the rest of the party. He also got a heart of gold, can also just fucking tear it up with the biggest and baddest of them. Mm -hmm. Massively OP, but still worthy of an honorable mention. 
I feel like a lot of superheroes are like that. Would not make good D&D characters. Mm. Raphael, the best Ninja Turtle. He'd be a mm. great tank, too. Because he's got natural armor and he's quick with his size and whatnot. Well, his skeleton's on the outside, though. That's no good. Yeah. <laughs> I'd considered putting um, Kaladin Stormblast from Way of Kings and Stormlight Archives in there. I looked at those books and was like, I don't... Kaladin is not an interesting D&D character to me. He's too overpowered. He's like a Jedi Knight that could fly. Like that, Yeah. That's... <laughs> and his personality is like... Doom and gloom. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, yeah. I'm sure he'd be great, but like, uh, <laughs> there's more interesting picks for me personally. I'm happy with my roster here. I'd be jazzed to have any of them on in my party. So, yeah, same. Seth, any honorable mentions? I've got two that I really wanted to put in here. You're allowed to have one. One. <laughs> I had like three, so <laughs> just tell us who they are. <laughs> the two that I really wanted to put in here were James Bond, because that would just be fun. Yeah. And Master Chief. Yeah. I wanted an overpowered one. <laughs> Master Chief would be OP, but not like not like Wolverine OP, but like like D&D character OP, you know? I was surprised DT didn't go with Bruce Banner slash the Hulk as a barbarian pick. He's raging. Boom. Big green guy. He's, <laughs> he's my favorite Avenger, one of my favorite comic book characters of all time, but he's probably a little too OP because as a barbarian... He just gets stronger and stronger the more damage he takes and the angrier he gets. So eventually he would just be almost as powerful as Daruk, my half-orc barbarian. <laughs> With the steam-powered legs, he'd just be able to charge through and just rip up everything while the rest of the party was just lounging around waiting for the fight to end. That's the problem with superheroes in general is they're all invincible. Not just plot armor for comic books, but like you can't kill Hulk. Like he he has tried. <laughs> like you, you they can't. have all tried. They got fed up with him at one point and just shot him into deep space because they couldn't do anything else with him. They just had yeah. to get him off the fucking planet. So yeah, that's the problem with a lot of superheroes for like D and D is they're all invincible and overpowered and not great. You have to go Doctor Jekyll, Mister Hyde instead. Hmm. Dude, I would love to play a D and D campaign for the um, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, yes. That yeah, would be fun as hell. Dr. Jack will be like your rogue who could also get really angry and pissed off and turn into a barbarian. That's kind of rad. Actually, I love that. I don't play with Hyde Syndrome enough in D&D, I think. I think I might pepper that in more often. That's just that's an interesting mechanic. Tom Sawyer or Quartermain, you'd have to kind of concatenate the two, but you basically could make a gunslinger out of... Out of uh, Tom Sawyer. League of Extraordinary Gentlemen in and of itself, like not the movie, because the movie is fucking terrible, but the comics actually kind of is a D&D group. Yeah. Now that I think about uh-huh. it. It totally is. Yeah. It's a, it's a D&D party. I think that's why the movie is so well loved and is a cult classic, even though it's pretty terrible. <laughs> it's pretty terrible. The set design alone makes it a cult classic. Uh, True. Did, do you guys remember Mystery Men? Oh, yeah. yes. Mystery Men feels... Like somebody saw the comics for League of Extraordinary Gentlemen and was like, let's play a D&D game like that. And then they they optioned that as a movie. <laughs> no, I love that. You're totally right. Mystery Men is totally a D&D party of seasoned veterans. It's like, what is yeah. this guy? What is this guy? He's like, oh, he's got pinpoint accuracy with cutlery. <laughs> and here's, <laughs> here's a lady with a magic bowling ball with her dead dad. In it. <laughs> <laughs> That's a, such a good D&D party, man. That'd be fun as hell. Would any of you guys have Goldblum in your D&D group? Absolutely not. <laughs> I feel like he'd be... First of all, if, if, if he was a DM, he'd be trying to like total team kill the entire fucking time. He'd be that kind of DM where he's just trying his best to, to kill the whole party and they're trying their best not to die. <laughs> I think as a party member, he'd always be looking for ways to like screw over the party and like rob them blind and leave them all to die too. You got a real low opinion of Goldblum, huh? Uh, I know. I mean, he's gotten better, <laughs> but you know. Remember episode two and three where he was your friend? That was a long time ago. <laughs> Things change. <laughs> Seems fake, but okay. <laughs> I feel like he'd just be complaining about the weather the whole time. <laughs> Telling us about chaos theory and how there's very, very, very slim chances we're ever going to survive this. And then he'd turn around and kill us just to make sure he was right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we got some messages from Earth we got to get to. When we come back, we will have a listener question and a deep space from, oh shit, yours truly. 
I get to seg myself. As if you needed any prompting. <laughs> no. <laughs> It'd be the third time today. Steer clear of secret room. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to J&J's Clubhouse. Gather around, grab a drink, and take a seat in the clubhouse as we journey through the world of nerd and pop culture. Joe and I will take you for a trip down memory lane, a pass through pleasant present, and a foray into future features. Covering video games, cartoons, movies, anime, and so much more. Together we'll take a look at the good, the bad, and the strange. Participate in our watch clubs, retrospectives, and reminiscences. So come join the club and enter the coziest corner of the internet. Those, as always, were some excellent messages from Earth. And uh, I actually didn't plan ahead any way to seg myself. I prematurely blew my wad. (laughs) So... Um, I'm just going to get right into it. (laughs) (laughs) Seth looks like he's so close to just turning off his microphone and just walking out of the room and never coming back. And I don't, I don't blame him. (laughs) (laughs) So I've got the deep space and my deep space recon, what I've discovered while out in deep space, doing some space walking and getting lost in that dark black abyss is actually a really dope band I discovered from Japan. They're called Tokyo Groove Jiyashi. They're an all-woman uh, groove and jazz band. Ooh. And they kicked off in 2018. It was started by three session musicians. So three ladies, one of them is like a, a synth player, one's a drummer, and one was a jazz bass player. They're all really fucking good musicians. So they're the type of musicians who would just show up at like recording sessions and just be like backup musicians for you know, other groups that are you know, laying down tracks. They decided to form this group to not only jam, because they're all awesome musicians in their own right, but also to like further their own careers, like be able to play shows and whatnot without having to wait for other acts to need you know, supporting musicians. So they do that a lot. They put out a lot of their own original music. They play a lot of shows. They've got a really great YouTube channel with a bunch of live videos, and that's really where they shine is their live performances. But when they're not doing that, they're playing gigs with other musicians. They're putting together solo material and whatnot. But... As Tokyo Groove Joshi, they are fantastic. And their vibe seems to be like just this really fun, like let's get together and make a bunch of really badass jazz music. They've had members who have gone on to have slightly more prolific careers as solo artists. Like the original founding bass player was an, a lady named Juna Sarita. And she's become a very prolific and very sort of prominent jazz bass player in her own right, both in Japan and overseas. And she's really fucking good. Like slap bass, like jazz grooves like she could play rock like she's just a really fucking good solo artist in her own right Hmm. tokyo groove joshi they're like super funky super technical like all these ladies who come and go over the course of this band's life have just been phenomenal musicians and the fusion of that level of skill coming together in multiple people putting down and laying down tracks is just phenomenal and you can tell they're having a fucking blast doing it like they're all super super disciplined but also having a great time just playing super funky jazz music and it's really fucking catchy. Like you can get down to it, but you can also play it in the background while you're studying or Hell yeah. programming or doing any of a number of things. Like just have it on as like music in your house when you're doing chores. Because they haven't really broken out here in the States, they've only got like 10,000 like monthly listens on Spotify, which is criminal because they're fucking phenomenal. They have a YouTube channel that's got like 30,000 subscribers, which again, in the grand scope of things, isn't gigantic. And I think they need more supporters because they're some of the most badass and like disciplined and just prolific and really good musicians i've heard in a really long time so tokyo groove joshi check them out like i said before they have sort of like a rotating thing where like their members will quote unquote graduate from the group into their own solo groups or into joining bigger you know more prolific and more famous bands so it's not like a thing where like this is a band that's going to be around forever with the same members they're constantly rotating because it's a device for them to make good music but also build up their own careers and try and expand out there so you get a variety of musicians coming in all the time. You get different styles, and they might have two bass players, which is fucking dope. They might have two drummers who are like kind of dueling drummers and whatnot. Whatever sort of pieces they put together at the time is what they build their music out of, and it's really fucking interesting to go through their, their YouTube catalog and be like, okay, they got two fucking drummers now. This is fucking dope. Let's see what they do with it. It's like, okay, now they've got a lady who's playing a shamisen, like a guitar, 
and like a Japanese shamisen as the lead instrument in jazz was something I never would have thought of, but it just fucking works beautifully. Awesome. And it's super dope and super Japanese, but funky at the same time. Like, it's awesome. They're playing jazz music, but also their band is structured by jazz, too. They are jazz, yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> like, they live their lives as jazz, which is fucking dope. That's I love it. That's pretty sweet. Yeah. Highly recommend checking them out, subscribing to their YouTube channel, looking them up on Spotify, boost their numbers, because like I said, they're all phenomenal musicians. And they all need to be way more famous and way more well-known than they are. They're great. And that is Joshi, J-Y-O-S-H-I. Yes, sir. Yeah. But that's it. That's my deep space, guys. I'm so looking forward to it. I haven't listened to a bunch of jazz recently, so uh, I got to get back into it. Heck yeah. Fucking A. Quiet because I'm already like adding them to playlists and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> He's after it. Sweet. That was awesome. Looking forward to it. Let's hear a listener question. Let's do it. Before we read off the question and who sent it to us, Seth, do you want to tell all the fine people listening how they can send in their own questions to us? Yeah, but I'm only going to tell the fine people. So if you hear 30 seconds of silence, just know you can do better. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) So you can find us on Twitter at SpaceCastlePod. Same handle for Instagram as well. You can send us more long-form emails and stuff at spacecastlepodcast at gmail.com. Hit us up with like long explanations of your perfect fictional D&D party. That'd be great. Or send it to us on Twitter too. That'd be cool there. We have a hotline, uh, which I do not know the number to. I know it. Want me to tell the people? I'll tell the people. It's 1-970-591-3577. Yeah, smooth jazz. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, so call us or text us. I think you can do that, too. It's uh, it's a voicemail thing, so don't expect to chat with us. We're, you know, sleeping most of the time, I think. And we're still waiting on those nudes. <laughs> yeah. I Like I said, I prefer, like, chicken <laughs> flavor, but I'm down for, like, beef flavor, too. <laughs> yeah, Seth likes those beef nudes. <laughs> no, I knew you were going to go there. Why? <laughs> Oh, come on. We almost is, made it through. This is what we get when he hangs out in his special room too often. Or not enough. Or too. not enough. Uh, honestly, it's hard to find a balance. I'll get there eventually. Same as Goldblum. So Mark was kind enough to send in this question via our Gmail, and the question is as follows. If you were a professional burglar, what would be the subtle signature you'd leave behind? My calling card? What would be my calling card? Like the wet bandits from uh, fucking Home Alone where they stuff the fucking drains and they turn the water and leave the water running. Not quite subtle, but something along those lines, yeah. I know mine. Proceed. I would do one of two things that are both kind of the same. I would either remove every escape key from every keyboard in the house or I would leave behind an escape key from a keyboard um, if there weren't any. One of the two of those. Yeah, I would either take them all or leave one if there's no keyboards wherever I'm burglarizing. I love it. What if you took them from some houses and then left those that you took in other houses? Yeah, I mean, like, I'm, where, where do you think I'm going to get the keys, you know? What's your reasoning? <laughs> just, just because? Like, are you playing mind games with the people you're robbing and then, like... First, yeah, it would... Like, I can't pass up a pun that fucking good. Two, I like keyboards... <laughs> that's it i think it would just it would just be fun like if i'm if i'm gonna be like a like an art thief or something like it's got to be esoteric and weird and you know unique and an escape key is is pretty fucking clever i think i love it alex what do you got it, it would be an audible gift card hey sorry for stealing this <laughs> please read some good books <laughs> I owe you. <laughs> no, my, my, my first answer, my real answer would be, it would be something like to really mess with their brain, like a, like an embossed a la Danny Ocean business card that just says, this object has been reclaimed by the acquisitions department. Uh, we're not accepting complaints at this time. <laughs> I like that a lot, actually. That's pretty good. Yeah. And then they're like thinking, oh, like, oh no, this must have been really important. <laughs> Mine is actually somewhat similar. I would make up a bunch of fake business cards from other burglars and leave those. (laughs) That's pretty funny. Uh, Clever. The police would never be able to chase me down because they'd be like, oh my God, it was Jack the Hammer Man or (laughs) the Gardener. It's not DT, the businessman card guy. (laughs) Do you guys remember that story of the 
the lady who is at like tons of crime scenes they call her like the faceless woman i think because she was like they found her dna at like murder scenes and bank robberies and all kinds of stuff See, i was gonna make a dna joke but it felt too gross even for me good <laughs> i'm that glad you did seems wild to me actually i'm i'm a little curious where that line is because that's you did talk about having sex with clones of me <laughs> so like oh wait the no, line has wait, to be what? something why would i have did I, don't I talk know. about that clone episode having... was weird dude it was a wild time i think i blocked it out <laughs> of my memory entirely yeah, I wish I could do that. <laughs> <laughs> was it a good memory for me or a bad one? Should I go back and listen to it? Do I want to live? I would have. I would avoid it. Okay, not gonna do it then. Okay, appreciate that. The faceless woman was at all of these crime scenes, and nobody could catch her, and they nobody wanted to talk about her. Like criminals were like nobody claimed to know her. Like nothing, they couldn't get anything on this woman for like two or three years. I think is what it was, until they realized that this crazy mastermind lady wasn't a criminal mastermind. Uh, she just happened to be uh, the lady that worked at the cotton swab factory and her DNA was getting on the swabs before they used them. I feel like that's the kind of thing that your <laughs> wow. business card burglar thing would, would lead. Like So holy shit. So this lady was implicated for crimes because her DNA was on the swabs they were using mm -hmm. and the fucking police still couldn't like figure <laughs> out. Yeah, for years. What the fuck? She was like, showing up oh at random crime scenes. Yeah, no accomplices wanted to talk about her. Like, she was this boogeyman of a character. Okay, uh, I have a new calling <laughs> card. I would work in one of those places. I would get a job in one of those places. <laughs> and somehow, someway, I would collect DNA samples from, like, the cops in the town. And then I'd leave their own fucking DNA on the fucking crime scenes. Whoa. That's a pretty good one. You know what's an even better one? Here's an even better one. You just get a job at a cotton swab factory and subtly contaminate all of them. So then you can do crime and they'll use the cotton swabs, but your crimes will be thrown out with all of the other 50 billion ones that have your DNA on it anyways. They'll just think the crimes you committed are just part of the set that like were contaminated from you. We can rule out anybody from this factory. We're creating the perfect crime here. Yeah, we're doing it. We are fucking geniuses. Why are we working as creatives for corporate America and doing a podcast? Why are we not just robbing this entire country blind? DT, I've been asking you to join my heist team for years. <laughs> or we could just become politicians. Same, same, really. Except <laughs> you have to talk too much. I'm not into that. I'd rather, I'd rather steal things from... From politicians. Yeah, ideally. I always thought DT's uh, calling card would be like a little Raphael figurine. <laughs> <laughs> too easily traceable to me. Way like, too oh. easy. Big like, Raphael? What the fuck? Yeah, this has to be DT. He's the only one dumb enough to do. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I would not be a good burglar or any type of criminal, obviously, as we learned from Family Night last night, where I was I was the imposter in Among Us like six times. And every single time I was the imposter, somebody would be like, DT's the imposter. Yeah, DT, dude, I don't know what it is. It's either your poker face or your mannerisms or something, but there's basically every time we're like, hmm. I think DT's probably the imposter. He's acting a hell of sus right now for no reason. <laughs> well, what's what's <laughs> fucked is that even like before we would even start a round, because I, I was literally the imposter out of like a dozen rounds. I was the imposter, like six of them. So as soon as we'd start a round, it became a meme in the group where it's like DT's the fucking imposter. And there was like a 50-50 chance of like me <laughs> like, being the fucking imposter out of seven other people. Like There was like... Ugh. Towards the end of the night, we were like, let's just vote DT off right off the bat, like, just in case. And, like, half the time, he was already the imposter, so we just won immediately. <laughs> I think, uh, like, Dan planted the seed early, early on. So it was, like, before we even started the first game, he's like, oh, I bet it's going to be DT. And I'm like, that's a low-key good strategy for this game is to kind of in implicate somebody else immediately and yeah. then constantly bring it up <laughs> as a joke. Uh, because you, you win. You'd win a lot. But then it turned out to be true, which is the real funny part. I think Dan, the GM from What the Dice podcast, is actually somehow manifested DM abilities in real life. Mm. And I think he actually is controlling the world and was controlling that game of Among Us and was willing me to be the imposter every time. Pulling it was disproportional, string. huh? It was like Alex got it like twice. Yep. I got it once, Chrissy got it once, and then DT got it the rest of the time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so... Uh, yeah, you'd make a terrible criminal, man. You're you're hella sus immediately every time. Like it, <laughs> it's super obvious. I don't know why I couldn't pin it down for you, but every game that you were imposter, we you just we just knew. You could just tell. I like these uh, 
these calling cards that you guys picked though. I like them. They're they're good. They make sense. I like escape key. Like literal calling cards for other robbers so they wouldn't be able to follow my trail. That's pretty that is pretty fucking good. Plus then you'd have a reason to have all of those business cards that you keep in your wallet for five years, Seth. Take the business cards out of your wallet, you dumbass. Yeah, Seth, what the fuck are you doing? That's why you have lower back problems. <laughs> <laughs> look at look at um Ocean's twelve, the night fox. See, the thing is, if I identify with a creature, an emblem, a mascot, a logo of some sort like that, that I, I feel so inclined to leave it everywhere I go and create this image, I'd want that brand to represent me in my everyday walkabout life. Yeah, you would get caught immediately. Like, this is this is Alex's logo. Like, it's obviously... <laughs> <laughs> it's on his website. It's on his t-shirt. He's got it emblazoned on his car. His website has a hero image that is a picture of this thing on, in a safe. It's like... it's. <laughs> <laughs> my calling card would be a qr code that says exactly what i did and where i live and where i've stashed all the goods <laughs> because none of the fucking cops would know how to use it none of the people <laughs> i would rob would know how to use it either and i would just be scot-free dude hell yeah i think that's gonna do it for this episode of space castle as always it is your clubhouse and hours for all things nerdy want to thank our good friend brian lovett aka b fuck supreme for co-writing our theme song these notes as always, want to invite you to join our Patreon at patreon.com slash spacecastlepod and support the show. You get stickers and t-shirts and we won't rob you, I promise. My name's DT. My name's Redwine and Snatch Alex, part-time librarian, Winnebago Thief, Inverse Batman, King Killer Dude, Master and Space Commander, and Maltop Donkey. He's getting so fucking good at that. I'm so proud of him. He is. It's kind of a problem because he looks bored now. <laughs> He's just like reading them off, like looking at his phone. It's like... Whatever. Maybe we'll come up with challenges for him every week, like do it in reverse alphabetical order. <laughs> oh man, that would be hard because a couple of them start with M's and B's. I could do it. Yeah, you're a smart dude. Of course you could do it. You're literate. You know letters. Alex's calling card as a robber would be like a well-written thank you note with no purple prose <laughs> or anything in it. No Oxford commas. <laughs> well, I'd have to put a QR code on the bottom right corner and it's just when you go to the site, it's you're getting rickrolled. That's <laughs> <laughs> oh dude could you imagine leaving like parts of verses throughout all of your jobs so when they look at your entire body of work over 20 years it's a rickroll give you up what the fuck does this mean yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's pretty good okay i'm seth bye love you